Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Okay, great. We're very excited this morning. Can we have that mic as well? Awesome. (laughs) So we're very excited about this morning. Um, If you've been to church in the past three, four weeks, you will realize we've been talking about the why. We call it exploring the why. Um, And just looking at what does the scripture say? Why are we doing what we're doing as a church, um, as Christians? You know, why do we do what we do? So when we talk about the why this morning, we're not going to talk about the how or the when or the where. We just want to look at what does God say? Why does he want us to serve? Why should it be part of our lifestyle, um, the way we do things? Also, um, when we speak about serve, it's part of who we are. It, it's not just talking about in church. It's wherever we go, you know. Sunday services, small groups, we serve there as well. But it's also great training ground to prepare us in other areas um, to serve wherever we go. So we're going to chat about that today. Um, I just quickly want to read Henny's uh, famous quote <laughs> that he's been using. Um, so often we fail to do the right things, or we fail to do the things right, all because we fail to understand why we have to do those things. So hopefully today we'll dig deep, or we will dig dig deeper into the why of serving. Why do we serve each other? Why does the Bible talk about serving so much? Um, So we're looking forward to that. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get started. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that we can be here. Thank you for all that words that were shared. Thank you that we can just praise you and worship you this morning. Father, this morning we just want to come and say, we follow you. We chose you above ourselves. Father, we lay down our ideas, our distractions, our thoughts. Father, come and speak to us. Come and change us completely according to your will, Father. That is our desire. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, just to be vulnerable for five seconds. On the surface, everything might look fine and calm, but deep down, inside my shoe, my secret sock is falling off my foot. (laughs) (laughs) There goes the secret. Just want to fix that quick. Okay, cool. So let's just get practical for five seconds. By the way, I'm Mezen, this is Andre, and on Friday, it will be our 16th wedding anniversary. We're super excited. We have three beautiful children, um, and the reason why there's a, a, a hugging kids picture for serving is because I asked Joshi, our, four, our five-year-old now, his birthday was on Tuesday, um, what does love look like? Like, what, what does love mean, and what does look, love look like? And he said, giving someone a hug. <laughs> so that's, that's Joshi's explanation. Um, okay, so quick question. If you had complete freedom, complete freedom, what would you choose? 
Just think about that. Maybe you can just share with the person next to you quickly. If you had complete freedom, what would you choose? Okay, cool. So hold that thought, and then we're just going to dive into the word. You know it's tough when you, when you get to share something that's deep inside, and then you, you compare it to the word, and it's like, ah. But maybe it's not like that for you. But anyway, let's go to Galatians 5, verse 13 to 14. Verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom. So you have freedom, right? Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but rather through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did that hit hard? Yes, no, not really. Oh, Louis says he had a perfect answer, so that's great. Well done, Louis. <laughs> if you look at that scripture one, it says, you were called to freedom. So freedom indicates that you have a choice and there is free will, right? That's my understanding of freedom, one part of it. Secondly, it says, do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh. Because obviously we're prone to do that. We, we're prone when we have choice and free will. We're prone to do or choose something that fulfills a need we have. Thirdly, he gives us a better option. This is the better choice. Use your freedom. Choose to, through love, serve one another. Henny shared in the beginning when he was sharing about small groups and our rhythms and the things that shape us. Our choices lead to habits, right? It's something that we choose something and then we repetitively choose things which becomes a habit and then our habits form us. I think it's something like that, right? So we, our decisions, we choose, we have free will, we choose something that becomes a habit which in turn shapes what we choose, does that make sense? So this exploring why, the first five parts of, of this series, is exploring our rhythms. What are the things that we get to choose regularly? What are our choices with those, with those options? What do we choose? What do we choose to, to form habits or become rhythms? And how does that shape us? Does that make sense? Okay, I'm just going to check in with Henny every now and then because he's going to, he can help and step up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, so just keep that in mind with the things that we're exploring. I'm just going to re recap that again. 1 Galatians 5 verse 13 to 14 says, it highlights, one, you were called to freedom. You have a choice. Two, do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh. I know you want to, but rather don't. Thirdly, here's a better choice. Choose to, through love, serve one another. So point number one is love, obviously. Why serve? Point number one, or reason number one, is love. I want to share a quote with you from Vodi Bachan. I don't know if you guys know him. We hosted or facilitated marriage prep for quite a few years in Pretoria. And we love Vodi Bachan. Um, he's a big black guy with a lot of spirit. He's a Texan by choice. Um, and he uses such cool words. And this phrase is really stuck by me. Just his explanation or de definition um, of love. He says, love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. Love is an 
act of the will, a choice, right? Accompanied by emotion, he likes to say, not led by emotion, ladies, and not void of emotion, men. <laughs> That's him. That's what he says, right? Okay, so love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. Yeah, and I just want us to look at 1 John 3 verse 18 that says basically that. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So it's amazing to see there that love leads to action. And yes, it's a spiritual principle, but it's not that far from us. We all do it already. We all know this already, you know. Um, Yoni, can I quickly ask you to come here? <laughs> She's quickly going to demonstrate this for us. She's prepared a nice speech. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> Yoni, can you maybe just share one or two things that a nun does for you that shows his love just something it does romantically oh. or whatever you can go back um, as far as you need to <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's very I think it's very simple so he buys me flowers it works every time and he over um I don't know what the right word is, but he tells me, you're so beautiful, like every day, all day, all the time. And sometimes I'm like, okay, really, that's enough. <laughs> but he really, yeah, he just tells me all the time, he affirms me. Um, yeah, tells me I'm beautiful and that he loves me and, and, and. Um, yeah, so that's it. Well done, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Yoni. Well done for being on the spot. Um, we all do this. I mean, you have children. I have a child. I've, we've got three children. You're in the kitchen. Everybody is sorted out. The moment you can go and sit on the couch, for the, it's your first opportunity for the day, just to sit. As soon as your bum hit that couch, suddenly there's somebody next to you I want a tear chalky bottle. And in that moment, you, you realize that you actually love him. So then you stand up and you go and make him our chocolate. Um, but it leads to action. And it, it, that love, that action, that's what we're talking about when we talk about serving. It's not something foreign. We all do it. We all know this. So this morning, we're just looking at what does God say about it? What's his heart? Why, do, why is it part of each and every one of us and should be in our lives? And obviously, the devil wants to keep you from doing that. He wants to keep you selfish as much as possible. Um, but love is the opposite of that. Serving is the opposite of that. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. So number two is belonging. Um, Yes, and I read 1 Corinthians 12. It was so nice what Krishna, is it Krishna? Krista. Krista, sorry, also shared. 
Exactly the same. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about we're all part of the body, of God's body. Um, and we're all a part of it. Um, and what is amazing for me is you don't become a part of the body because you are serving. So please don't hear that. We are a part of the body if we serve or not. You know, so it doesn't define your identity. It doesn't define that you're part of, for instance, this church. You are part of this church if you are part of this church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so don't feel that um, because I'm not serving, I'm not part of it. So you belong as part of God's body. Um, now, if, let's use me as an example, if my one arm doesn't work, doesn't do anything, it makes me basically a cripple. It makes, it means the rest of my body must work so much harder and do things because my arm doesn't work with. And it's the same for us as a body, as believers, as Christians. Um, you can either be a part of the body and action and love and serve um, or you can just hang around and other people serve you and carry you as well. Um, just on that topic, I just quickly want to read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21 to 23. Actually, the whole chapter talks about the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Just again saying, you are part of this body. and You have a part to play. Come and be part of it. Um, And then also, just out of experience, if we talk about belonging, maybe you are here every Sunday, you're in small group, but you still feel like an outsider. You f still feel like you can't bring, you can't give, you can't serve. You almost feel like a visitor. I want to say to you, just start being part of the body. Start operating as the body. Start serving um, so often I've been in church a long time and I've always been involved with the volunteer teams. It's the easiest way somebody feels part of the family, feel, feel this is my home, is when they start giving, when they start serving. So I want to encourage you, if you maybe feel like it, it's just something simple. Just get involved. Become part of a team that serves others. And think about others, consider others before, like Mezen said, don't just consider your own flesh, your own selfishness. But let's think about others, what would bless them, what would serve them. Okay. Then 1 Corinthians 12, we don't function to become part, we function because we are part. That's basically what I said. <laughs> Number three is stewardship. And uh, Matthew 25, verse 21, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Yes, it's beautiful scripture. Enter into the joy of your master. So nice. So when we talk about stewardship and where serving fits into it, um, God entrusts you with something to do. Like I, to my five-year-old, I ask him, pick up your toys, you know, and he doesn't get it right (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) But I can teach him in that. He can grow in his stewardship of what I've entrusted to him. Um, And later on, hopefully, he will become faithful in it. I don't have to check up on him each and every time because he's faithful. He does it well. Um, And that's also something about serving. You know, this is training ground, as I mentioned, the church, the small group, where we can grow together. We can grow in stewardship. We can grow in serving each other. We can grow in faithfulness. Um, And so often I like the example, um, Sias, our pastor in Stellenbosch, he says, there's a lot of people that comes to him that says, listen, I, uh, I feel I have a word, I'm preaching at church. And then he just says to him, okay, great, yes, we can talk about it. But on Sunday, I actually need help. Won't you meet me there two hours before the service and just come and pack the chairs with me? And not a lot of people come to pack the chairs. But it shows the person's heart. It, sh- it shows if you're not faithful in the little, you can't be entrusted with more. That's what God says. Um, so 1 Peter 4 with, with t- uh, verse 10. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another a good steward, as good stewards of God's varied grace. So I want to encourage you, let's grow together. Um, just from us as a leadership team as well, we're not going to appoint you as a leader over people, over discipling people, over leading people, if we can't see your faithful in a little. If we can't see that we can trust you, um, that's a biblical principle. So I want to encourage you, you know, um, God says whoever is faithful over little, he will give you more, you know, to steward. Um, and that's our desire as well, that you will grow in everything in your life, in pursuing God, in serving others, in being faithful. Um, yeah, I think Henny loves always sharing just that love is unconditional, but trust is earned. And I think that's just such a beautiful explanation of what God says. He says, stewardship proves character and earns trust, and faithfulness leads to increased opportunities. And uh, just want to read 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love cover a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. 
Awesome. So have you guys got those points so far? Point number one, love. Point number two, belonging. Point number three, stewardship. And point number four, growth. I think we can hand out the cards quickly. We're just going to give you a little practical thing to to get you going. You can look at it when we you can look at it now. You can look at it afterwards. Doesn't matter. It's just something small that you're able to action <laughs> um, today, just to so that you can see that it, it's small things. We can serve one another in less intimidating things. I think often we think that the action that's required for us to prove our love for someone is massive. But it's not always. There are little things that you can action. Um, I think while they're, while they're handing out those cards, maybe we can just think about David for a second. When you think of David from the Bible, not David beside a note, just David from the Bible, what comes to mind? Packer Brandt, what comes to mind when you think of David? Jonathan. <laughs> I should have chosen an easier person. <laughs> Don't make it difficult. <laughs> Say again? Serving. In what way? Every way. Wow, okay. Someone's more simple. Who's got a simple answer when you think of David? Singing and writing songs, writing the psalms, okay? Anybody else? Slaying the giant. Harry? Serving Saul, even though Saul wasn't a good king. Amazing. Okay. Say, say again? I say he forgave Yeah, he forgave his son for wanting to kill him. Even though, even though he wanted to kill him, okay? So didn't hold grudges, was able to forgive. Well, he did probably, but he worked through it towards a point of forgiveness. <laughs> okay, so when I think of David, maybe I should have started there. <laughs> when I think of David, I think of somebody's son, first of all, that was given something simple, a simple task to look after the sheep in the field, who grew in defending those sheep, the sheep's lives, by fighting a bear, fighting a lion, who then grew and fought soldiers and then Goliath because of his confidence in God and then became a servant to the king and then became king. Do you see like the progression of, of David's life, right? So growth... As we serve, as Andre shared, it proves character, earns trust, and leads to increased opportunities. Okay, you've got that right. In church, we have opportunity to come in the door for the first time unbelieving. Respond to salvation, God's invitation to surrender our lives to him. And then we start by eating, being fed, right? Somebody's like, you're new at this. I'm going to feed you, right? And then you're like, oh, cool, I get how to do this, and I start feeding myself. Like, oh, I, oh, is that, oh, I must read the Bible? Oh, cool, okay, how do I read the Bible? Oh, I go home and I read the Bible. Okay, I can do this, I can read the Bible. And then we grow to a point where we're able to 
feed someone else. Andre, do you know how to, how to read the Bible? Can I show you? Is that, my, is that simple enough, right? So we grow from being a consumer to being an active participant to being a leader. We have a choice to remain a consumer or to become an active participant and then prove our faithfulness and become a leader. So we have a choice in this process of growth. It doesn't just all of a sudden happen. There is some response required from us. You're being fed, then you're self-fed, and then you're feeding others in all phases of life. Like, Lincoln Louis just had a baby, and he doesn't know how to feed himself. So Linka and Louis are feeding, well, mostly Linka, but <laughs> are feeding Miku, are feeding him. But one of these days, he's going to try to start feeding himself. It's going to be messy. They're going to help him. It's going to be messy. So the transitions from self-fed, uh, from being fed to self-fed to leading, uh, it's messy. It's, it's going to be messy, and that's okay. You're going to feel clumsy. You're going to feel intimidated. You're going to feel out of your depths. But keep responding. Keep being a good steward so that you can progress. Good. We do this in church. In church is like safe training ground, right? So we learn here to pack chairs to arrive on time. To arrive on time. Oh, cool. I can see you. you can come on time. So then I can actually give you a responsibility because I know that you're going to be here. Then you do that responsibility and you do it well and I know that I can leave you. So you're being an active participant, right? Then I can trust you to lead this and do it by your, on your own and encourage someone else to do it. Praying for someone in the front. Somebody responds to an altar call. Somebody comes to pray with that person. First of all, I want to just illustrate that there are soft and hard skills that you're learning in church. One, you learn to listen to people. That's a skill that you can use in church and out of church. Secondly, you learn to listen to the need and actually pay attention. Thirdly, you start listening to what God is saying while you're praying for that person to illuminate what he's saying and what he's seeing. So you're learning to hear God's voice, not only for you, but for the person that you're praying for. That's a skill that you can take from church to your workplace. Because there you're going to listen. You're going to learn to listen to people. Then you're going li- to learn to listen to what God is saying about that person or the situation. And then you're going to action on that. Pray for the person. Meet the need. Invite them into something. Trust God for breakthrough. God gives a creative solution or whatever. But this is safe training ground for you to learn skills to apply outside of church. Yeah, just a practical illustration. Um, I was, uh, up until recently, a project manager on a mine. Um, And you have big project meetings that you're facilitating. And, yes, I, I still remember once or twice that it happened, that you're thinking, oh, this guy is talking so much. You know, and then just being reminded of small group training. What should you do to facilitate a group discussion? And then you have to keep your smile in because everybody is just going to think you're weird in the middle of this important meeting if you start smiling. But 
It's so amazing because I have been trained in facilitating discussions in church, in small group. Um, I know how to facilitate meetings with a variety of different people, senior, junior, whatever the case may be, because I have been trained up in church. So that's just a practical skill that I've experienced um, that I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I think, obviously, there's such a lot of... Op- it's, it's a very practical way to learn how to die to yourself. Because growth isn't always fun. Yeah. Glorifying God, I think it's still you. Yeah, next point. We're going to talk about glorifying God through serving. So I'm just going to read that scripture again. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, just that second part of verse 11. It says, in order that in everything God may be glorified. So we want to glorify God. We love God. God saved us. We want to glorify God. So how do we glorify God? Let's just look at that before that. When you see in order, it means there's something before it. So just reading from verse 8 again. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. That's how you glorify God. I'm not going to drop the mic, but mic drop. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. I think it illustrates it so beautifully. If our desire is to glorify God... This is how we glorify God. Yeah, I think it's, it's also cool that um, it's included here that it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It, they, the words without grumbling wouldn't have been there if there wasn't a lot of opportunity for, for grumbling. So, like, anyway, just so you know, show hospitality, glorify God. And the last point. Oh, we didn't do so bad with time. Okay, great. Um, Point number six, the last point. We serve for the sake of the gospel. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
I think the, the cool thing that um, stands out for me is that Jesus, as our example, did it first. He was king, yet he chose to give to action everything he could, to give everything he could. He didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Him being equal to God, he's like, I want to do this, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And then John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And I think if we, if we can just realize that our service is completely in response to what God did first. There is nothing, there is nothing that we can give that isn't second to what God did for us, that isn't in response to him. We can't outserve God. We can't outgive God. There is nothing that he has withheld from us. He gave his son to be crucified on the cross, to become a servant. That's what Jesus chose. I just want to recap that quote that, that Vodi um, shared. Love is an act of the will, accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his action, <laughs> his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God loved us. Because he loved us, he chose to send his son. On behalf of, <laughs> of his object, we are the object of his love, right? Like, he chose to sacrifice his son's life on behalf of us. So that we can have eternal life with him, so that we can be reconciled to him. Our service in love for one another is always in response to God's love. Can we stand? Or maybe you can just close your eyes just for a moment. I just want to make the connection clear. Why do we serve? We serve in response to God's love. We serve in response to how God served us first. He chose to become a servant, even though he was king. And he sacrificed and served even to the point of death. 
There is nothing. There is nothing more he can give. We will always be indebted to that. And I think if, if you just look at Jesus' life and the point where, where he did give his life, where he was crucified, even his followers rejected him. Even his closest friends denied him. There was more than sufficient place for him to grumble. <laughs> there was more than sufficient place for him to get tired and weary and disheartened and just not choose to go through with it. Yet he chose to sacrifice his life on the cross and die on behalf of us whom he loves. So this morning, I just want to give an open invitation. If you've never, you've never responded to God's love before, you've never come to a place to, to choose Jesus and say, sure God, what you did on the cross, I want to become a partaker of that. I just want to read these two scriptures again. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And if you're here this morning and you want to Believe in him so that you can have eternal life. I want to invite you to just raise your hand in response to that invitation. You want to say this morning, God, I choose to become a partaker of eternity, of the sacrifice that you gave for me. God, I want to choose to believe in you. And then the second group of people that we want to pray with this morning. If your service has been your service has been out of a place of obligation and not out of a place of responding to God's love, then we want to pray with you this morning. So you're welcome to to come to the front. Um, and then the third the third group of people that we want to pray pray with is you struggle to receive God's love. You struggle to, to receive or believe that you belong to the body, that you're serving and serving to belong rather than because you belong. Then we want to pray with you as well. I'm just going to pray and, and close off the service. I don't know, any if you want to share something. You're fine. Okay. You know, as the band just plays softly in the background. Father, we, we just trust you. 
Lord, we, we choose to, to surrender our lives to you again, Father God, and just reevaluate our motives for serving. God, we just acknowledge, Father, that so many times our motives for serving is for a place of belonging rather than a place of belonging. Lord, thank you that you say that we are part of your body and that we get to function as a body. even as we beautifully saw this morning just illustrated how every person just brought brought word and something God it added value to how we function and how we see you God that not one function is more important than the other not one member of the body is more important Lord that we together represent you better And we together illustrate your image better than just one of us. God, and we thank you that we get to serve one another in love, in response to the love that you showed us first, in response to the service you have given first, Lord, in response to how you poured out your whole life for us. May our lives glorify you. God, and we thank you that that we've been called to freedom. God, in this morning we choose to love one another and serve one another in love. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.